Hello Coven, it's Tay, your most bizarre sister. Just a heads up to let you know that this episode covers man-made disasters and features some pretty graphic content. We know that you tune into the Weird Sisters for your bi-weekly dose of weird and we thank you. In regards to the recent tragedy in Beirut, we thought we would give you a heads up as the content in this episode may be particularly distressing to some listeners. It was recorded prior to the disaster. You can find resources and donation links for the people of Beirut on our social media pages, which you can access via weirdsisterspodcast.com. Thank you and be safe. We love you. Enjoy. Double, double, toil and trouble. Some topics discussed may make people uncomfortable. For fair is foul and foul is fair, on this podcast we will definitely swear. A lot. Now round the cauldron go, trigger warnings listed in the notes below. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined, the cocktails cry, it's time, it's time. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Maiden, mother, crone. Plot twist, we're all the crone. The stories aren't all made up and the points don't matter. Welcome listeners to The Weird Sisters, a podcast about the blurst and bizarre and all the things you are happier not knowing about. Hello, Hello. Hacks. Oh, I like how we all waited co- yeah. for everyone else and then just went, hello! Yeah, we're all so excited to have our new microphones here that we're like, oh, ha, me first. Superior audio quality. Mm-hmm. Superior audio quality. Very excited to listen to this one back. If I edit this and it sounds fucking terrible, I'm just going to kill myself. No, I'm not really. I'm just going to be very <laughs> sad. Um, I'll be very sad too. I'm currently underneath a dinosaur blanket boiling alive with my <laughs> giant hog of a gaming PC just baking me. It's really funny. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, it is winter, so... Should, mm. should, I, should I be under a blanket? I'm not, so... No. Sorry, I have okay, a very well. echoey room, so I'm taking extra precautions. Okay. I'm very... I was very echoey when I tested it yesterday. Uh, and we don't want that in our podcast no, audio. Not. No, we want superior podcast audio mm-hmm. for our wonderful listeners. So you're welcome, we, everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we each spent money on better microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent. Well, it's nice to be back. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. 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 Uh, are we all happy to be back? What's new? What's new? Um, relishing in the last week of university holidays before the dreaded semester two hits. We'll see how we cope with that. Yes. That's why we're pre-recording. <laughs> yes. Got to get in there early, early. Yup. I'm excited. Um, actually, no, I'm not. I don't want to go back to uni. <laughs> oh, no. Um, how are you, Lacey? Yeah, good. Look, nothing's really changed. My day-to-day is exactly the same as it has been for the past 200 and something days that I'm at now. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that you've kept count. Yeah, it, it keeps <laughs> me going. Yeah, I like to imagine there's a little wall in your house with little like check marks, like little scratches across. Like, yeah, like in, like in a prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly that. Uh, well, that's lovely. I'm glad that uh, your almost year now has been the same. Yeah, <laughs> every day the same, the same. Just sounds like a Nine Inch Nails song now. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's introduce ourselves now that we've spoken our woes into the universe of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you? Someone fucking answer me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I thought Lisa was going to go Well, cut that one out. Um, I'll we? go first. Hmm. Um, I am the disembodied light at the end of the tunnel. Why don't you follow me? Tay. Yay. Oh. I like it. Uh, I am. No, me. Me now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> put a lot of thought into this. Please. <laughs> Should we just like, we'll just edit the shit out of it, I guess. I like how you say will. Yes, we <laughs> will. <laughs> we'll both be there on Discord while you edit it. Yeah, while I slam my head into the table and just go oh. No, it's fine. I love editing our podcast. It's a dream. Uh, who are you, Lacey? Continue. I am a bucket of eyeballs. Lacey. Oh, I like it. That's oh. nice. And makes me wonder what the fuck your story is going to be about this week. Very tactile. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Reminds me of those haunted houses when you do when you're a kid and they give you like a peel jar grape. of peeled grapes. Yeah, yeah. mum used yeah, to do that's that what all I the time. In cold spaghetti. Oh. Oh, the Simpsons episode. Yeah, that's so sweet. Um, I'm Laura. Um, I am the Monster Energy Drinks No Sugar that we have all been consuming throughout this terrible time where time doesn't mean anything and I don't want to even think about it anymore. Hello! We're running on stevia and chemicals. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Oh, my very hippie friend called me the other day on FaceTime and was talking to me about how wonderful his life is because he's an actual human being and takes care of himself and has sunlight and mm-hmm. a house where he has plants and shit. Um, and I happened to take a drink of a Coke, no sugar as we were on the camera talking to each other. And he was just like, <laughs> oh, what no. the fuck is that? <laughs> it's was my so only vice. Leave me be. It's <laughs> like, Oh, it's not my only vice. It's definitely not. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I've been told off many, many times for it and I'm just, not caring anymore i want that's the fair. stevia give it to me mm-hmm. i've been smashing down sugar-free solos like you wouldn't believe oh, like it's five dollars for a case and i've just been tossing them back gripping and rip it but it's been a time <laughs> yeah yep sugar-free sprite another good one very oh, into it yes delightful mm-hmm. um, i don't i um i don't do the sugar-free i want the full fat version mm-hmm. <laughs> um you want i have no cancer I right. want the no cancer, yeah. please. <laughs> I just want the diabetes. That's what I've chosen instead. Um, I, I've, I'm on my fourth cup of tea. Oh, delightful! Very nice. So there we go. It's very I something have, very romantic about much, a cup of tea. How much tea is too much tea? I don't know. The limit There's doesn't no exist. Thing. England <laughs> says that it doesn't exist. Um, I have a uh, an espresso martini in a can for after this. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. it's actually surprisingly good. Like, I did not expect that. Um, Kalua make them. Oh. Hmm. Mm. Nice. Mm. Very good. I want that. I like them. Mm. Um, we have a theme for the week. It is disasters. We actually have a theme, this theme, for two weeks in a row. We decided to do disasters both man-made and natural uh, without interference because COVID's a fucking disaster. My life is a disaster, so why not just spread it? Spread it mm-hmm. around. Um, and we're doing- <laughs> spread it around like that ho- hotel security spread it around. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. Like everyone was making memes about it and I have just been very sheltered and not really paid attention to what's going mm-hmm. on. And JD was trying to tell me about it and laugh with me about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. He's like the, the security guard that 
had sex with the people Every, who were in isolation. Everyone. I was like, had sex oh! With <laughs> so there was an orgy in that hotel. Right, I understand now. I have... It's pretty not nice. It's not a great disaster. Um, but if it has to disaster, disaster in it, <laughs> me, I am a great disaster. Uh, okay, I'm going to keep bigging myself up that way. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I decided to do the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. I don't know if you've heard of it, Tay, but I know Lacey has. Yes. Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly, exactly what, it, what it was. Yeah, I know. I had a feeling you would. Um it's, a, it's really interesting because I actually hadn't heard about it until probably about a year ago when I heard about it on another podcast and I can't remember which one it was. So whoever you are, shout out to you. I'm sorry, I can't remember who you were. Um, but it's hectic and quite quite a lot, but it's still good. It's a good time. So this is from 1911, uh, March 25th in New York City. Um, so basically at this time in New York, there was a lot of people working in garment factories. Uh, so on the Lower East Side of New York, there was around about 100,000 people, which with a population of like 4.7 million at the time, that's, and this is just one section of the city. It's like shitloads of people working in this one industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it was a particular factory. Uh, the building was called the Ash Building. Um, and it, well, the <laughs> foreshadowing. Well, yeah, <laughs> yep. I, know. I looked at that and was like, huh, hmm, okay. The best name. Carry on. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, and this particular, like the whole industry was pretty much all young women and teenagers, um, like 10 year olds were working just in this factory and many, many others like it, um, because a significant portion of them were actually immigrants, particularly Italian and Jewish immigrants from uh, like Russia and Ukraine and Poland, um, because of a lot of the like political upheaval that was happening there at the time. And so supporting their families in a new country, uh, they were not making money for themselves, but they were actually just trying to keep their whole family alive. So yeah, 10 year olds working in garment factories was the obvious solution for that. Thanks, 1911. Um, so the way that it sort of worked is that there was three floors, uh, of this business building that eighth, ninth and 10th that were just the shirtwaist factory. Um, and it was located just off of Washington square park, which was like a super wealthy neighborhood that just happened to have a sweatshop there. So that's nice. Um, pretty much like all of the women that worked there, cause like 90% of the people that worked there were women. Um, they all had multiple family members working there because they would get each other jobs and it was quite a good job at the time to get. Mm. Uh, and we'll get to why that was, but so it's a really, really densely populated factory. It's a very wealthy suburb, but it is a sweatshop. There are about like 700 people plus working in the building. They did 11 to 14 hour work days, um, but some sources seem to think that like nine hours a day was more likely. They also worked on weekends. So like they did Saturdays, they did seven hours and then weekdays, they did nine hours supposedly. There's lots of conflicting info about it, but the worst part was they made like seven to $12 a week for 52 hours plus, which, yeah. And in today's money. It's like 189 bucks to maybe $325. Oh my so God. Nothing. Yeah. It's like no money. 
Um, on top of that, the owners of the factory docked them for needles and thread and electricity that they used for their machines. So they didn't even like get to make their whole paycheck. If they, <sighs> you know, their needles broke or if they needed more uh, of the material than someone else because they messed up or whatever happened, then they came straight out of their pay. Um, but the way that this factory was set up was like there were really long tables that were just machine after machine in rows uh, and they all just literally sewed shirt waists, which were a kind of blouse that looked like pretty much just a men's business shirt, but for women. And that's, yeah, that's all they made all day, every day. Um, so with the setup, because obviously they're quite narrow, like they've shoved as many people as possible into this these three floors. Um, these long lines of sewing machines had scrap bins just at the front of them. Uh, and the scrap bins had like two months worth of accumulated cuttings at the time when this fire took place. So hundreds of pounds of scraps of cotton and the tissue paper from sewing templates and things like that. Um, so it, it's not a great setup already. It does not it's sound a very box. nice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and this is 1911. So I don't know if y'all know anything about how uh, workplace health and safety works, but 1911 didn't care. What, what yeah. workplace health and yeah. safety? <laughs> exactly. I was actually kind of surprised by some of the things that people at the time were upset about when it came out. I was like, oh, I'm impressed that you gave a shit about that. I didn't think you would. <laughs> so we begin the day that it happens. Um, when it actually took place was Saturday at the end of the workday. Uh, it was around about 4.40 p.m. on the 8th floor when a fire begins in a scrap bin of cloth. Um, possibly it's from a cigarette, but that seems to be the thing that everyone throws around. But they keep going back to how like the owners themselves kept saying, like, oh, you're not allowed to smoke. But it's 1911. Everyone fucking smoked. And also yeah. <laughs> there was like women that would tell like survivors afterwards would be like, oh, yeah, everyone smoked, especially the managers. But they would just like blow it into their lapels so you couldn't see where the smoke was coming from because it would just dis- like dissipate through your shirt, <laughs> which I found very funny. Um, but so a fire begins and a manager attempts to put the fire out immediately. Good on them. But the hose valve is rusted shut. The hose is rotted oh. away and there's no sprinkler system. Uh, so, yeah, it's not good. There's oh, my a, God. <laughs> there's a quote as well. Um, I got it from history.com, which was actually like quite good at covering this. You would not expect it from history.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not throwing shade. But uh, basically, the Triangle Factory had water buckets in place for extinguishing fires on top of this hose, um, which was a very common practice for those factories at the time. But there was a worker there called Mary who later said in the 1960s in an interview uh, that the buckets were empty that morning. She said, on that particular day um, of the tragedy, I remarked to one of my colleagues that the buckets were empty and if anything were to happen, they would be of no use. So that's a shame. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. So we've got a rotten hose, no sprinkler system. The hose valve is just rusted shut. So even if there was a hose too fucking bad apparently and the the entire floor is covered in fibrous cotton (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and someone still decided to have a cigarette but okay look they've had shit lives they're allowed to smoke whenever they want (laughs) (laughs) my opinion carry on (laughs) carry on 
Um, so, like, the fire was noticed immediately. It's not like it was a surprise and someone turned around and was like, oh, shit. Um, it spread really quickly because of the tinderbox situation and a bookkeeper called Dinah um, on the eighth floor immediately calls the tenth and warns that there's a fire. Uh, she did not call the ninth. There was nowhere to actually contact them and there was no audible alarm. So they did try to alert them on the ninth floor, um, but they, like literally didn't answer or the phone didn't work. I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, but basically she's quoted as ha- like Dinah, this woman is quoted as having been like, I can't get anyone. I can't get anyone. She's pretty much screaming it. And then a later survivor said that the very first warning that the f- ninth floor even got of the fire was when they fucking saw the fire <laughs> and it was Jesus. just, <laughs> yeah. So oh. terrifying. Um, so a survivor from the ninth floor called Cecilia said, the girls at the machines began to climb up on the machine tables, maybe because they were frightened or maybe they thought that they could run to the elevator on top of the machines. But the aisles were really narrow and were blocked by the chairs that they were all sitting at and the baskets for these scraps. Um, and these girls began to fall into the fire, trying to <gasps> run away from it. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not ideal. Um... So there's two stairways that they could possibly have escaped from, all the people on these three floors. Uh, there's one to Green Street, which was the way that the managers tried to force the staff to leave so they could check all their purses for stolen cloth at the end of every shift. Ugh. Yeah. Um, the other stairwell had the exit locked from the outside because they wanted to stop people from leaving that way so they wouldn't be able to... So they'd be able to basically prevent theft and from, like, unsanctioned breaks... Uh, which is just depressing. Um, the dude who had the key, like, cause there's like 10% of the workers are men. They're foremen and things like that. Uh, the guy who had the key, the foreman, uh, had already escaped a different way. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What a hero. Yeah. And the foreman escaped a different way. What a sentence. Thank mm-hmm. you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um. They do also have one flimsy fire escape and four elevators. Uh, Twelve people can fit inside the elevators at a time, but only two were functional at the time of the fire. And This place is a fucking ramshackle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's 700 people working in this building. So, like, it's not only the people from the floors the fires are on that are trying to escape. There's also all these other fucking people who are trying to get out of the building. Uh, on the eighth floor, there are 230 people working there alone at the time of the fire. So one of the elevator operators manages to make three rescue trips before warping prevents anymore. Uh, they literally can't get up and down because of the fact that the fire is so hot, it's warped the elevator. Um, so people pried open the doors and just jumped down the elevator shafts trying to slime down the cables. Oh my god, no. <sighs> Yep. Uh, the second operator manages to make four trips before the bodies on top of the elevator make it impossible for them to keep going. Um, girls were literally jumping on top of the elevator as it descended and trying to ride it down to the bottom when there was no more room inside, and the extra weight caused it to sink right to the bottom of the shaft, because there's actually space always between the last floor and where the elevator shaft finishes. Um, so it just forced it right down, and they couldn't actually make it rise up again. So they couldn't rescue any more people after that fourth trip. Um, So the woman I mentioned before, Cecilia, uh, she actually was one of the people on the ninth floor who saw the girls falling into the fire that I mentioned. 
Um, she made it to the elevator, but she missed it. So she wrapped a decorative muff around her hands and managed to actually slide down the cable. But she broke her arm and a finger upon impact at the bottom um, and suffered a major head injury and horrific burns. But she did survive. So We love a surviving queen. Oh, my God. I know. Wild. Like, can you imagine that? Fuck. Just watching With this a decorative elevator leave. Muff. With a decorative mm-hmm. muff. I didn't even know what that was. I had to Google it. The hand <laughs> thing, right? You put oh, your yeah. Hand. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hand thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My educated guess. The hand thing. The hand thing. Hey, you're right. Yeah. We don't use them anymore. And the word <laughs> muff has different connotations these days. You can still put your hands in it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Keep them warm. Keep them warm. You're fucked. <laughs> Uh, I, I love it. I'm sorry. I love it. That was wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, so, fire like the fire department came. They did actually do their job, but the fire hoses and ladders could only reach to the seventh floor, and the fires on the eighth. Um, and it went up. It didn't. It did go down, but it went up first. So, basically, the fire escape collapses from the weight of escaping workers, almost like instantly super super quickly um 20 of them fall 30 meters to their deaths onto the pavement below (gasps) yeah uh there's a crowd gathered by the way like people are everywhere and immediately see that there's a fire going on and just stand around looking up at it um in a neighboring building which is actually the new york university law school uh, a university professor sees workers fleeing to the roof of the shirtwaist factory 15 feet below and he and his students use ladders left by painters earlier in the week to help them escape onto the school roof um an unconscious girl with smoldering hair is the last person to be rescued from the roof uh smoldering hair yes so this whole thing is horrendous like (laughs) Like, obviously, in Australia, like, we've recently gone through fires, um, and they are horrendous. Like, the bushfires were so scary. This somehow made me a lot more aware about how quickly fire can spread in a contained space. Um, Yes. Because you always sort of look around. Like, I don't know about anyone else, obviously, but this is just me. I look around and be like, well, a lot of this isn't flammable in my apartment, for example. Like, the walls won't burn. Yes, they fucking will. Like, you know, material that you expect not to burn will burn um, and it will burn very quickly and it can get extremely hot, especially in like a contained space. Um, So, yeah, the stuff that you hear about like women's hair burning, um, their clothes spontaneously catching fire when they're not touching fire. It's that hot that Mm -hmm. they just burst into flame. It's crazy. It's horrifying. Um, I was working at the, um, the DFO. So my, mm-hmm. the whole DFO was underground. There's a, a few staircases to go out. Um, and whenever we had a fire thing, which um, happened a lot because it's a cavity fire and everybody has to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had customers that were really pissed off that I wasn't putting through their sales and I was trying uh-huh. to evacuate people. I'm sorry. I want to live. I'm sorry. All right, Karen. I'm sorry. I'm, fucking not, I'm not dying for this fucking you know, jumper that you need. That's not even in your size anyway, but you're buying it. Because it's in a DFO. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I hate not people. Dying, not dying for your bargains, thank you. No. God, the Sorry. customer service industry is so broken. It oh, is. so broken. <laughs> <laughs> I had, um, oh, God, I work in a bar uh, and there was a guy, my bar's on two different levels and there's part of it is sort of like sitting over the entry staircase 
And the booth that sits over that, drunk people have this weird fascination with looking down and seeing how close the staircase is and thinking, I could jump that. One dude nope. tried. Yeah. Um, and immediately broke his ankle horrifically. Like, it was very obvious that it was broken. Oh. Uh, oh. And being on a staircase and not able to move, like, we called, obviously, the ambulance to come immediately. Um, but dude couldn't get off the staircase. My manager had to hold his broken foot in a bucket because it was just dangling, which was agonizing for him. <gasps> so he had to try and support the ankle for him. The dangling while we ankle. Waited. Yeah. Um, and people, drunk cunts were still trying to like step over him to get out or get in. I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you doing? Have some <laughs> fucking decency. It was insane. We had to, like, direct them down the fire escape. And our fire escape is rickety as shit. It is horrifying. And drunk people trying to go down, that was just years off my life. (laughs) So, yeah, people are horrible. I'm really sad about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, so we had an unconscious girl with smoldering hair, the last person to be rescued. Um, 70 people on floor 10 Uh, There were 70 people working on floor 10 on the day and only one of them perished, which was way better than the rest of them. Perished. (laughs) These strong verbs coming through. (gasps) Sorry. Thank you, Uh, Diploma of Writing. Thank you, Diploma of Writing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, So a large crowd has gathered outside the factory and they're literally watching people at the windows trying to get out. Um, A lot of people are crushed to death trying to escape where the crowd is pressing away from the fire and they're pushing the people behind them into walls. Oh, Jesus. Um, or stepping on them, climbing on top of them, just trying to get away from the heat. Uh, the vast majority of the women on the ninth floor do die. Um, 62 of them jump, so they die on impact, obviously, and unfortunately some of them are impaled on a pointed fence below. Oh, oh this is just every sentence it just gets worse i'm like no no no, i can't get any worse that's why when we were doing oh i know that's why when we were doing this one i was like okay i know which disaster i'm picking because it oh yeah it's so horrible um thank you thank you thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) so there's a young man that's seen by spectators um i don't know what else to to use there yeah Uh, spectators is good yeah um he's seen helping girls up onto the window ledge one after the other to jump um, because they're all in dresses and heels for their work day. So he's just trying to help them up onto the ledge so they can each jump without falling. I don't know why that upset me so much, but yeah, it was so sad. And the last girl kisses him before they jump together. Oh, oh um, it's tragic. 14 year old me would have fucking loved that. <laughs> oh God, yes, it's horrible. Why do you think all teenagers love Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So while some jumped, others, um, according to a woman called Ethel, who was there at the time, became frozen with fear and just never moved. Um, They literally were just overtaken by the fire where they stood and sat, sat, um, just terrified, which is awful. Uh, On the other side of the building from where the jumpers were mostly seen, 33 people trying to press away from the flames burst a window and just fall, many of them burning while they fell to their deaths. Um, a witness, Rosie, said one girl fell down and broke through the sidewalk on the cellar below, into the cellar below, and that shows how much force they actually fell with. Um, mm. Just smash through concrete. Holy shit! Yeah. 
another fell from the eighth floor to the sixth and her co- clothing caught on a hook that suspended a sign and she smashed a window with her fists and managed to escape. Um, so she oh. survived. Huh. Nice. Yep. Um, girls that were trapped in the stairwell, the one that was locked, uh, their hair and clothing catch fire. A few of them die of, sm- die of smoke inhalation, but unfortunately not many of them. I know smoke inhalation is not really a better way to go, but, you know, burning yeah. to death isn't fantastic either. No. Lesser of two evils there, I think. Yeah. So there's a quote from uh, Lewis Waldman, uh, which said that word had spread through the east side by some magic of terror that the plant of the Triangle Waste Company was on fire and that several hundred workers were trapped. Horrified and helpless, the crowds, I among them, looked up at the burning building, saw girl after girl appear at the reddened windows, paused for a terrifying moment, and then leaped to the pavement below to land as mangled bloody pulp. This went on for seemingly a ghastly eternity. Occasionally, a girl who hesitated too long was licked by the pursuing flames and fell, screaming with clothing and hair ablaze, plunged like a living torch into the street. Life nets held by firemen were torn on the impact of falling bodies. Oh, that's... Mm. Oh, my God. And yeah. that's just a witness account. That is so poetic. I know. That's just some dude. It's, it's just very, very vivid. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. It was insane. Like, people were hysterical. Like, people were fainting. Um, men were weeping. Like, everyone mm-hmm. was just in a frenzy, like, hurling themselves against the police lines, trying to, just, I don't even know, like, get in there, do something. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. It went on for 18 minutes total, like, beginning to end of the fire. Um, 146 people died all up, only two of them in hospital. The rest of them died on the scene. Uh, of the 146, 123 of them were women and girls. Oh, that's right. They're like, there's 10-year-olds. Oh, my God, there's 10-year-olds in this place. Yep. So oh, I completely forgot about the child labor. <laughs> Fuck. It's fucking horrible because uh, the oldest victim was 43 and the youngest were two 14-year-old girls. <gasps> oh. Yeah. 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 Um, 23 of the victims were men, but they were pretty much all your... <laughs> Your managers, your bosses. Um, most of the victims die of burns, asphyxiation, blunt impact injuries, or a combination of all three. Uh, six victims remain unidentified until a historian called Michael Hirsch uh, completes a bunch of research many, many years later and actually identifies all of them by name. Um, there's only That's one lovely. person. I know, it's really nice. Uh, there was only one person who was actually found alive in the wreckage who hadn't escaped from the building. Uh, they were trapped in the elevator shaft. I don't know if that's the girl who earlier broke her arm and finger. I couldn't Maybe. actually find anything, but like, I think it may have been. Potentially. Because mm. how would you get out? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which would be or- horrible because like, there's other bodies in that elevator shaft. Yeah. Um, so that's fucking awful. Um, so afterward, uh, the captain of the fire department um, basically said of his initial survey of the ninth floor, I stepped on something that was soft, and only then he realised that he had reached a pile of bodies. Um, firefighters, yeah. The firefighters actually find a six-foot-high pile of bodies jammed up against the door of the back stairwell. Um, the bodies were burned to bare skeletons, uh, skeletons bent over sewing machines everywhere. So 
There were literally just people that just sat there, which is fucking awful. Oh. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of the and the reason why a lot of them would have jumped on the sewing tables is because their skirts would have caught. Yep. So it would have just been pretty instant. Well, sheer panic. Like if this yeah. happened in eighteen minutes, um, like that's such a short period of time to go from just going about your work day, possibly getting ready to go home, to yeah. all of a sudden there's walls of flames around you. You know, yeah. like there was nowhere for these girls to go it was literally like every possible escape was blocked it was so awful like some of the accounts because there's a lot about this this was like a defining moment for a lot of um history when it comes to how we've changed work health and safety laws uh so it was very seriously like researched and looked into a lot of the individuals that were involved like people have tracked their movements sort of thing um, and it's just so intense, like trying to read through survivor accounts of what happened, and some of it was used against them, which is really fucked up. And we'll get that to that in a second. Uh, so all the bodies um, were taken to a temporary morgue that was set up on a covered pier at the foot of East Twenty Sixth Street. Um, there's photographs, like a lot of photographs of women and girls' bodies in coffins. There's a long line of people parade past them. Obviously, like, just passes by, but also their families trying to find out who was there, whether or not they oh. made it. So awful. Uh, there's lots and lots of photos as well, just as a warning in case anyone decides to go Google it, um, of the bodies where they've fallen in the street, uh, with police obviously looking up and bystanders looking up, which is oh. tragic. So be careful if you do decide to Google it. It mm. is not nice. Um... So this was the deadliest workplace disaster up until 9-11 in New York City history. Like, not worldwide, but because there was many, many worse ones. Um, Like, there was the... We were talking about it just the other day, Lacey, the Bangladeshi garment factory fire. Mm -hmm. Mm, Awful. Very similar to this fire in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Yeah. After the Shirtwaist Factory fire, there was a huge funeral march of like 350,000 people um, that was led by an empty horse-drawn hearse uh, that was just all through the city. Um, People were so upset about this. Like the fact that it was young women, I think really upset a lot of people in particular. Not saying that it should necessarily be more horrific because it was young women. It's just, I think at the time we placed a lot of value on them and it was just awful. Um, so there was a huge, huge outcry about it, and the factory owners got fucked up initially. People were really fucking mad. Uh, they were Max Blanc and Isaac Harris. Um, so they were present. They were actually, like, at the factory on the day, uh, on the 10th floor, where everyone lived by one person. Um, they did escape by going to the roof, uh, with everyone else, and both of them, I think, I cannot confirm this, because it was mentioned casually that they had invited their children to work with them that day, but I don't know if they were there. Hmm. So, interesting. But uh, both of them were put on trial for manslaughter and then eventually declared not guilty. Yep. Yep. Okay. 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 (laughs) Um, So they hired this really well-known attorney, uh, Max D. Stewart, who basically became known as Million Dollar Stewart. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He dealt with a lot of celebrity sex scandals and, like, disputed wills of really wealthy families and things like that. 
Um, so what he did, and this is fucked. So he destroyed the credibility of one of the survivors and her witness account was like one of the things that was really heavily focused on in the trial. Uh, her name's Kate Alderman. Um, he asked her to repeat her testimony a bunch of times over and over again, which she did without altering key phrases. And he argued to the jury that uh, she and possibly other witnesses had memorized their statements and been told what to say by the prosecutors. Um, and so the jury acquitted them of first and second degree manslaughter. And that was pretty much that for a long for time. fuck's sake. <laughs> so ah. infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they it's were quietly like- seething under my blanket here just mm. now. <laughs> I also have a blanket around my shoulders and I'm very mad about it. Um, <laughs> so they were later found liable for a wrongful death uh, in a civil suit. Um, and the compensation that they paid was $75 per person who died in the fire. Um, but the insurance company paid them about $60,000 more than the reported losses that they would have paid, which was about $400 per casualty in the end uh, in our current like amount wait no that wouldn't be right it must have been 400 dollars per casualty at the time yeah Mm -hmm. yes exactly so they gained they paid 75 dollars per casualty and then they gained back 400 dollars per casualty oh jesus yeah the injustice it's so fucking upsetting Uh. (sighs) they did have to be escorted from like the building by a side door because the crowd was real fucking mad good good um, so apparently crowds of like the relatives of victims and things like that uh, filled the courtroom um, and when they exited uh, they were just literally met by women shrieking murderers, murderers, give us back our children and they had to bring in like a shitload of police to try and stop the incident from happening again throughout the trial because they just kept coming back to scream at them as you fucking would when your child died from this horrible, horrible thing mm. oh my god yeah didn't learn anything though because in 1913 Blank is arrested again for locking the door of his factory during working hours and he's fined $20 which is the minimum amount he could be fined for bullshit 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 yup bullshit <laughs> worse worse there's even speculation that it was arson by the owners because they yep. actually had had four suspicious fires at their companies before this happened oh <gasps> Yeah. Oh my god. You slimy little men. You fucked. You Uh, fuck you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) It's so upsetting. Um so pretty much like the shirt waist that they were making that they produced, the only thing they produced, was falling out of fashion. Uh and to like the cost of materials is rising. Um, unions are starting to form at this time. They're like demanding better pay, better hours, etc. Because as we have looked at, they were working shitloads of time for no money, and they mm-hmm. were hiring children to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, the year before the fire, the workers of this factory in particular had put on a strike demanding better conditions. Um, and so these two fuckers, Blank and uh, Harris had hired sex workers and gangsters to go and assault the workers on their picket line. Yep. They're just the worst people. This, this, me- this mess just keeps getting worse. I'm not <laughs> done. I'm not done. Um, yeah, take, take it away. So the cops at the time are in the pockets of the garment factory business owners who also harass the picketers. Um, the 
lead of the like is like one of the women who was sort of like organizing it all clara limlake um she was ambushed by these thugs that had been hired and they broke six of her ribs uh so she's just like oh, this poor woman um and then the at the time all the like very corrupt politicians in the area they're super super pro-business um so basically like no one's fucking helping these women prior to this fire happening no one really gave a shit um which is why the public got so upset when all these details started to come out and they started to realize like this was always going to happen where it happened is irrelevant because there's so many people working in these garment factories all across the city and they're all like the most vulnerable people um, so it totally redefined how the American industrial workplace sort of operated, uh, and it was a really key moment in it because it started to create these prevention laws directly as a result of it. One of the people that went and saw the fire as it was happening, like just happened to be in the street and saw it, was a woman called Frances Perkins, um, and she started pushing to create much more effective evacuation plans, and she used the building as a model for what safety codes should look like. Um, instead of what it did look like. Uh, Clara Limlake, the girl who had all her ribs broken, went on to become a key part of the movement that got the regulations and rules put into place that benefited the workers rather than the owners, because prior to that it was literally all just how to make the most money for the business owners. Yeah, and it was an honour to be working at their factory. You know, you should be grateful that you have a job. You know Exactly. Exactly, that's it. And that's why there were so many... Like, families were devastated by this because they didn't just lose, like, one person. They lost multiple members of their family because if one girl got a job at the factory or woman got a job at the factory, she would bring in so many of her other people that she could to work there because they didn't have jobs and it was a good job by comparison to what they could get. Um, Because you didn't have to speak English, which a lot of them didn't at the time. Uh, You didn't Mm -hmm. have to have any sort of particular skill um and everyone was like most women could sew quite well in those days of course because most of you would make your own clothes because it's expensive to buy them Mm. um yeah and there was like a one of these women had like her son working there like right next to her and her like young daughter as well and her aunt and all these people just just died except for her it's so sad um so Basically, Frances Perkins and Clara Limlake went to try and prove that Triangle's not an anomaly. The factory was exactly like all the others. Uh, There were fire escapes that were no bigger than hatches, and Frances Perkins forced the head of the state senate to crawl through one to sort of be like, (laughs) good fucking look at it. Um, Which, what a badass. Um, So while she was trying to sort of get all this put together because she's really pushing to have a reform of all of the building codes and how it operates um she organized a group of people that went and took a look at all the different factories they raided a cannery where kids were forced to work there where they passed out from exhaustion um yeah one factory tried to hire child workers in an elevator and stopped it between the floors just to be like, we have no child workers here. What are you talking about? Oh, God. <laughs> Reject modernity. Down. With- oh, my God. This is ridiculous. I oh, know. Um, but by the end of 1911, uh, the year that the fire happened, there were 15 new bills that they had proposed and eight of them did become law. Um, so they had things like exit doors had to be unlocked. There must be fire escapes. Uh, they had like a lot of stuff to do with how long women and children could work, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, of those eight 
laws, all of them addressed deadly problems from shirt waste in particular. Um, it also went on to spawn like workmen's compensation for injury, uh, mandatory fire extinguishers, fire alarm systems, and automatic sprinklers, maximum hours for how long women and children could work, protection for child women, uh, child workers, and also mandatory restrooms had to be provided for workers because before that, they didn't have to do it. You just had to hold it or you had to like run on your break and hope that maybe you got to pee beforehand. Oh, so they're taking from the book of Amazon uh, working <laughs> conditions. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amazon would have fucking loved all of this. Uh, so Perkins um, went on to become the very first woman to serve in the presidential cabinet after this. Um, and when she was recalling the impact of the, like, the fire, many years later, she basically said that out of that terrible episode came a self-examination of stricken conscience in which the people of this state saw for the first time the individual worth and value of each of those 146 people who fell or were burned in that great fire. We all felt that we had been wrong, that something was wrong and that build- with that building, which we had accepted or tragedy would never have happened. Mm. So, yeah, amazing woman. Like, she did so much wonderful shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was 109 years ago, as of March 25th this year. There was a centennial remembrance where, um, like, an artist created a lot of, uh, like, these signs that were shirtwaists with the victims' names across them. Mm. Um, and there's some great photos of that if if you're willing to Google it. Uh, <laughs> maybe don't if you don't want to see some very upsetting pictures. But um, yeah, that was the Shirtwaist Triangle Factory. Grizzly, horrible. I Thank loved you. it. Thank yeah. you. It's also um, used as a example of, you know, um, what not to do in a sewing room. Oh, really? Fair. Yeah, because yeah. I my first quals were in fashion, and um, <laughs> you know, you'd be you were told about this, and actually at the time that was when the Bangladeshi fire was happening, but yeah, we were told oh. like scraps on the floor, scraps in the bin. Um, really, really, f- like, fire safety was such a prominent thing in an industrial sewing room as well because also the machines are so big to get out from behind them uh-huh. is, you know, can be a time, especially when you have a fuckload of fabric all over you. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's very terrifying. important, but very, yeah. Yeah, holy shit. Mm. Um, yeah, well, my sources for this one... Uh, I did not use Wikipedia for once. I did initially <laughs> a little bit. I know. Initially I did, but like there's a lot of material on this um, that was very, Ooh. very good. Uh, there was a couple of different like YouTube videos that I watched. Um, there was a PBS documentary called Triangle Fire that's on YouTube. Uh, American Experience PBS, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Extra Credits, which is like pretty much kind of like a an educational channel that sort of goes into more detail about a lot of historical stuff. Um, yeah. And that was the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire Horror in Manhattan episode. Um, the Smithsonian Magazine, HistoryChannel.com, which I did not expect to use. Uh, and a <laughs> New York Tribune article, which popped up a couple of years ago. Oh. But yeah, Very that good. was my story for you oh, this week. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you're all sad now. A little. <laughs> <laughs> it's really grim. Yeah, I know. Oh, it was sad. Smoldering hair. <laughs> oh, God. The f- oh, yeah, it's tragic. Horrendous. It was so sad. I hope that 
I hope that you have worse for me. Uh, well, I'm, you know what? I'm going to read it. I'm going to find out. Okay. Yay. Alrighty. So, ladies, yes. listeners at home, have we ever heard of the Hussack Tunnel? No. Spell it. U H O O S A C. No. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you haven't, you would have heard of its alter ego, the Bloody Pit. (gasps) Yes. Yeah, you've heard the Bloody Pit. Yes. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for those of you at home that don't know, let me tell you a tale. So, the Hoosack Tunnel stretches seven and a half kilometers through Western Massachusetts. Uh, it is a dead straight railway tunnel um, underneath the Hoosack Ranges, mainly used for export. I think it, it's still used today, mainly export, trade, big freight trains. And it is believed to be balls to the wall haunted. There are ghosts all up in this tunnel. It's teeming with them. So a bit of backstory. The Hoosack Tunnel began construction in 1851 uh, with a rough estimate of like 2 million USD budget. Which Oof. back in 1851 is a lot of money. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, construction ended 24 years later with a total bill of 21 USD, <gasps> 21 million USD. I was going to say. <laughs> and <laughs> right under budget. Good job, boys. Uh, and 180 known human lives were lost. Oh my God. That's yeah. all right for 24 yeah. years back in the day. I guess yeah. so, but fucking. Con- <laughs> Consider it not not bad on the scale of disaster. No. Well, <laughs> so the fact that this tunnel took so fucking long to build and the fact that it was an actual death trap pissed off everyone, locals, workers, everyone. This caused construction to like stop and start over and over again. So that's why it took a long, long time. Wow. Um, so the way this tunnel is constructed is that digging began at either end. Um, So they were kind of going to meet in the middle. And then in the middle, from the top of the ranges, um, an exhaust shaft was constructed straight down. Mm -hmm. Um, Digging occurred simultaneously in like a T-cross formation. So everyone was digging all at once. Um, Yeah. So it's the 1800s and digging is a drag. It's slow. (laughs) It's rugged. It sucks. We all hate it. Well, fear not, because during construction of the Huzak Tunnel... A little something called nitroglycerin came onto the scene. <gasps> Big <God>. booms. <laughs> Big booms. So workers uh, use this unstable explosive to speed up excavation. Um, super productive, but unfortunately super deadly. <laughs> oh. uh, so 1865, about halfway through Huzak's construction, um, three explosive experts, and I say that dubiously because how much can they know when nitroglycerin is both A, super new, and also how is that your, like, Job title. I'm an explosives I expert. That's immediately. Great. The first thing that. I think of is um very underrated Disney film, Atlantis, the guy <gasps> that's the explosive yes. expert in that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> He's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like, eh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it'll make it boom. And you're like, Well, essentially that's what happens. Uh <laughs> so these three experts, uh Ned Brinkman, Billy Nash, and Ring Kelly entered the Hussack Tunnel to use their new toys, use their new explosives, and start work. <laughs> the new toys. Yeah, so Brinkman and Nash armed the charges um, against the, the rock. They were like, okay, we're going to stick him up. And then Kelly was way back with the plunger. Um, but as Brinkman and Nash ran, Kelly detonated the explosion <gasps> too early, 
and the two men were buried alive under tons and tons of rock and earth. What the fuck? Why would you wait till you saw them and be like, okay, they're safe now? (laughs) Well, oh, Oh well, did Kelly detonate on purpose or was this a horrible accident? (gasps) He did it on purpose. Yeah, it was my opinion. Guilty men don't run, and Kelly went missing straight after this happened. <laughs> oh, shit. He fucked off. He fucked off, because he yeah. knew. So, yeah, either he was, like, horrendously just overcome with shame and guilt, or he was just, like, boom, fucking bye, and he yeeted out of there. Who knows? <laughs> Did uh, they find him? Well, they do. Oh. Uh, he reappeared the following year, two miles inside the tunnel and very dead in the exact <gasps> same spot that Brinkman and Nash perished. <gasps> Holy fuck! No way! Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh Is Wait. the cause of death known? Uh, so they could not determine who killed him. Ooh. But rumours say... Rumours say that it was the spirits of Brinkman and Nash. They did discover that he was strangled to death. So... How did he get strangled two miles in a tunnel by himself? We don't know. It was both. It was spooks. It was ghosts. Yeah, it was ghosts. It wasn't it. like a, a choke and stroke kind of vibe. From <laughs> <him>. <laughs> no, he didn't kill Billet. He, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that happened. Uh, police, they could not determine. Uh, and many of the workers believed that this tragedy, along with a series of other fatal accidents, put a curse upon the tunnel. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I think they're fucking right. <laughs> Tell us about this. Yeah. I want to know. So reports of pained moans, weeping and screams can be heard inside the tunnel during construction, as well as ghostly apparitions of workers carrying mining equipment. There was one story of a man who entered the tunnels with a gun and he felt unseen hands push him and tug at him and snatch the gun from his hands. And then he was beaten with it. (laughs) And when he crawled out of the tunnel and reported it, to whoever I assume he reported to the police or whatever, his injuries did match up with being beaten with the with the butt of a gun. Oh no! Yeah. So whipped by a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> kinky, right? Sexy. Yeah. Hey, we don't like I said in the the other episode. We don't kick shame. That's not we don't kick shame. <laughs> no, we do not. Pistol whipped by a ghost, mate. You do what do what do you? You do whatever you gotta do mm-hmm. to get yourself there. Yeah, yep. with with other consenting parties. <laughs> yes, yes. Get consent. Yes. So if that doesn't make you think that it was cursed, the main event of this segment just might. Mm. We're not there yet. What the Mm-mm. fuck? What are you going to tell no. me now? So you remember the exhaust shaft that I mentioned earlier as part of construction? Yeah. yeah. Well, in 1868, workers that were digging the shaft. So at this point, it was 180 metres down, which is around 600 feet for those of you in the US that listen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then with the aid of a pumping station at the mouth of the shaft up, the um, the 13 miners that were currently digging were able to move rock and earth with ease um, and keep the way free of water and also using water to mine. And it was all just very technological, very good. Um, now inside the pumping station, which is at the top, there's also a storage area where explosives, mining equipment and machinery were all kept. It was kind of like a big one-stop shop for all of their stuff Mm -hmm. so when a stray spark ignited the fuel in the storage and blew the pumping station sky high this is when shit went down (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah so first off we've got explosions and fire yeah then we've got the pumping station out of commission so the shaft begins to flood with water (gasps) 
Yeah. So the workers that are at the top of the shaft on the top of the ranges, uh, they're trying to put out the fire (gasps) with like whatever little they have and also trying to yell down the shaft to get the men out. They're like, we have to get them out. This obviously like everyone's just fucking freaking and i guess this is very similar to yours laura with like it all happened in 18 minutes this had to have happened so pretty quickly yeah uh and then as more fuel ignites more explosions (gasps) and this sent tons of sharp mining tools and machinery up and (gasps) sailing down into the shaft holy fuck and this is why we know it is the bloody pit oh my god yeah 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 so this is picks this is digging shovels this is axes this is drill bits this is everything horrible and nasty and saw trap you can think of is just falling and this is heavy and 180 meters of like fall time the like speed of which these things are falling is yeah that's fucking terrifying is is bloody right yeah (laughs) yeah Um, no doubt mm. so there's a rescue effort attempted to retrieve the survivors and a man is lowered into the pit with a by a bucket um okay so before this dude went down into the pit he made sure his will and all of his effects were in order <gasps> he's like i have because this is like after everything's kind of quietened down we have to check if there's survivors right yeah so he's set himself up to be like if i die down here my family's good and he gets in his little bucket down he goes and they pull him back up a short time later. He is barely conscious from lack of oxygen and all of the fumes. And he just wheezes out, no hope. Oh. And then he passes out. Yeah. He, he survives. He oh, thank God. Yeah. But he passes out. Fuck. Yeah. So that's because it's, it's like when you have mining shafts and they send a canary down to make sure mm-hmm. there's like air. It's yep. like he was the canary in the bucket in this situation. Why don't you send a canary first instead of a man? Like, well, he's probably paid a lot to go there. Yeah. All yeah, the canaries are in short supply. I don't used all the canaries already. Yeah. Um, oh, so after they also they went pull raining up, down into the pit. Exactly. Yeah. The canary, all the cages went flying down. Oh, I'm sad. Oh, no, I'm sad too. <laughs> uh, uh, so we've had. Uh, Mr. Bucket come back up. He's fine. No hope. This is when the decision is made to close the shaft and stop all construction. Stop it all. Cut it. Nix it. That we're going to stop. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. So no hope may be, but the pained cries for help that echoed from inside the pit remained. Oh. Yeah. So a year after the tragedy, the pit was reopened to retrieve the bodies of the men. Um, some of them had floated to the top, waterlogged and rotted. Some were buried too far below to get to right away. And once workers were able to get far enough inside to investigate, they found the remains of a makeshift raft and several (gasps) men. Oh. Yeah. So a handful of these men, because there were 13 all up, had survived the initial explosion and the debris and the water and the lack of oxygen long enough to make a raft to survive the flooding. Fucking hell. And the How walls of the pit. Been there? I have no idea. I, I want to say, because this is the thing. Like, there could have been pockets of air down there. There could have been, like, 
the as much as like we are just bags of flesh and bone we are still like pretty resilient i feel and Mm. like no one really knows how long they were down there but long enough for them to make a raft i feel like is at least a couple of i've in my head when i first read this i was like oh they were at least in there a couple of hours yeah if not longer yeah, possibly days. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. I was like, they sh- surely could have been in their days, because you think of like the the poor soccer kids who got stuck in that tunnel mm-hmm. in Thailand. Yeah, yeah, and then like the Bakersfield miners and just all these mm-hmm. like little tiny horrible spaces. But you can just you you're in there. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, once they'd recovered the raft, they also noticed that the walls of the pit were covered in desperate scratches. Oh, God. Yeah. Fuck. So, it's awful. Yeah. So, that's that's the bloody pit. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Tay. <laughs> You're um, welcome. For your contribution. Uh, yes, it's, it's short and very not sweet. Uh, but it's kind of like, again, with Laura's, like, I guess this might be a theme with this episode. Like, where the fuck were the work safe? <laughs> uh, it's the 1800s that yeah, doesn't exist exactly. what are those words work and safe they don't go together work? no work and work goes yeah. together yeah. Um, but yeah it just like it just made me think it's like oh my lord and then it still eventually uh, was finished and it, this tunnel is still used today it's um, it's still I want to say probably definitely very 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 haunted there are mm-hmm. lots of uh, of our good old fashioned uh, ghost chasing reality shows that have visited uh, it lovely um, <laughs> ghost hunters ghost adventures mostly haunted all the good stuff um, there are still like sightings of like the worker ghosts that I mentioned earlier like there's one instance that someone swear they saw a man holding a lantern walking into the tunnel oh but dressed in very period-specific clothing, and this was, like, in our modern day times. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just little instances like that. But, uh, yeah, definitely the bloodiest of pits, um, which is what they call me. So my sources for this tragic tale, um, I've got – I started off with Wiki. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to uh, Top 5 Scary Videos on YouTube. We love you very much. Mwah, oh, mwah. love you, Top, top 5, five Scariest Videos. You're wonderful. Because they've, they've got an – I'll put it up on our Facebook page for you, those of you at home. But they have an excellent, excellent um, Top 5, like, scary tunnels. And I was like, this is amazing. And naturally, Husak Tunnel is number fucking one. Of course. Yep. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But there's some <coughs> excellent uh, other segments in that list. And also, should you want a deep dive – while we're still in the throes of stage three isolation, which should be stage four, by the way. Um, <laughs> go to top five scary videos and have a, a good binge, especially if it's like 2 a.m., best time to do it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You never yes. want to sleep again. Um, you actually spawned a little little thought, because I'm pretty sure both yeah. of you have watched a decent amount of the Saw franchise. Yes, you- enough. What's the one trap that made you cringe the hardest? Oh, Need- my God. Needle trap. Needle yeah. trap. Needle trap, really? Yep. yep. So... That was my answer until I learnt how they filmed it and suddenly it didn't be it wasn't gross at all to me. Yeah, I was like, oh. I know. But the one where I believe it's in the same film, it's the glass cube with the key in it. <gasps> yes. And she has to put her hands inside the razor blade uh pipes, like the little openings. Yeah. But if she 
So once she puts her hands in, it's open, but once they're in, she can't pull them out. Yeah, I know. That one makes you so frustrated when you watch her do it. Because she should have just put one hand in and held the razor blades open. I know. Mate. Mate. But the thing that annoys me even more is when she pulls it out and it just breaks in her hands. Like the top of the hypodermic needle just comes off and you're like, what the fuck? Yes. Well, that's not the, that's not in keeping with the other traps. That's fucking stupid. It's so stupid. It makes me um, very mad. Also, another one, just lightning round. Uh, I can't remember which film it is, but one of them, they're like frozen, and then they get sprayed with like warm water. Oh, oh yes. So I think about that every time I get in the shower with cold feet because my feet hurt <laughs> <laughs> every single time. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? I, the glass one is definitely one that always, like, gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, the needle one also grosses me out. And uh, in case you didn't know, like, at home how they filmed that, because I also felt the same way about that trap until I saw how they filmed it. It's all little rubber needles. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't bother you anymore after you watch no. that. But the I'm one... like, oh, yeah, she's fine. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of them, but one of them that really upsets me is the one where they have to cut flesh off until they, like, make a weight Oh, yeah. 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 They have to, like, get a scale to a certain weight and they've got to basically put their flesh on there. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, don't like that. That's upsetting. Because it makes me think, where would I cut first? My tits. My tits are too big. I would be be fucked. I have no tits. That being said, I'd cut into that juicy ass and I'd be super (laughs) fine. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, Horrendous. Beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Yes. Good. Wow. Um, my last source. <laughs> I've got AmericanHauntingSync.com, and then Ooh. I've also got Atlas Obscura and oh. New England Historical Society. Oh, great websites. Yeah. Excellent very very good websites. Very cool. Very. Sad. And that was the Hoosack Tunnel, <laughs> ladies. Thank very you. Cool. Thank you, Kanye. You are most welcome. <laughs> uh, that leaves one. Yes. And then there was one. And then Ooh. there was one. Okay. So. Witches. Yes. In 2012, um, I was traveling with my mum up the east coast of Canada on a pilgrimage to Prince Edward Island so they could, so we could go through all the Anne of Green Gables things. Oh, that's cute. I just recently have watched Anne with an E on Netflix. Do recommend. It's very, very good. Um, So on our way up to um, to PEI, we stayed in Halifax, which is the capital of Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, and we wanted to go there to see uh, the graveyard where the Titanic's dead were buried. Oh. That's so on brand for you. Very yeah. on brand. Um, <laughs> um, and what we actually found was Halifax is home to another disaster that we had never heard about. Have we heard oh, really? of the Halifax explosion? Yes. <gasps> yes. Yes. Yes, I have. I think you told me about it. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it was. (laughs) Very possible. My love, tell me again. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So at the time the explosion happened in 1917, it was the most powerful man-made explosion in history, only outdone when the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima in Japan in 1945. Shit. In fact... Yeah, and when they made that atomic bomb, the scientists actually studied the Halifax explosion, and this is how they made the decision to detonate the bomb before it hit the ground for a bigger blast radius. God, oh my that's god, awful, hey? oh, that's it's, sinister! It's so uh-huh. sinister. 
So just a bit of a history corner. So we got some background. Yes. <laughs> Lacey's history corner. Oh, <laughs> new segment. New yep. segment. Yes. Um, so Halifax was, was a backwater, um, and it, but it is the most northern port that was the Commonwealth held. Mm-hmm. So during World War II, it's grew from I think maybe 2,000 people to 50,000 people it was a huge asset um, su- supply ships and troop ships left there for, from Canada to the front mm-hmm. and in fact Halifax is um, most of the what the, the, like the last um, city that the Canadian boys saw um, before oh. they went off right. in fact fun fact the good old um, RMS Olympic was a regular troop carrier there. So yeah, bitch. Back from our oceans episode, she was Yay. in and out of there a lot. That's so, lovely. Yeah, nice callback. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> cool. Um, so on the morning of December 6, nineteen seventeen, a Norwegian supply ship called the SS Imo was carrying relief supplies headed for Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Imo collided with a French vessel called the Mont Blanc at the narrowest point in the harbour after both ships failed to give way to each other. It was a sort of like a you move, no you move situation. Well, we like, all lost, didn't we? We all <laughs> lost. We did. So the IMO's captain was angry because um, he had been delayed at sea um, mm-hmm. with supplies. So he put to sea without the harbour master's permission and was oh. in the wrong part of the channel. He shouldn't have been there. Fuck. The IMO was going really fast. And it was sitting high in the water, which made it hard, like very hard to steer. Oh, the Mont okay. Blanc, unfortunately, was a munitions ship. <gasps> oh. Um, and normally it would fly a red flag to warn others of the dangerous cargo. Mm-hmm. But the Mont Blanc did not have its colours raised um, because it was coming in from the sea. And right. um, we don't want the Germans to know that we have like a fuckload of... You know, munitions on board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the dangerous cargo that the Mont Blanc had on board was two thousand nine hundred and twenty-five tons of highly explosive munitions, including TNT and gun cotton, which is kind of similar to dynamite, mm-hmm. in the hull. But I've never heard of was, that before. Yeah, it was like we've we've gone past that. We've gotten um, better shit um, right. to blow things up now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've but moved on. We've moved on. We've found more explosive shit. Um, but on the decks of the Mont Blanc was 35 tons of highly flammable um, airplane fuel called benzol and pitric acid that was stored in very thin barrels stacked high on the deck. That's going to be the main problem. I'm scared. Um, you say this and I just think of skincare. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of acids, I just think of like a peel. Hey, hey, Che. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Che. Um, yeah, I love my acids. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened in the harbour in maritime terms was a fender bender. Like, both ships would have been fine. Um, Had it not been for the, the barrels massive and barrels of, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. of acid Fuck. on the deck. Um, so when the ships collided, um, sparks were flown everywhere. <gasps> and the barrels on the deck of the Mont Blanc caught a light. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um the ship uh so the people on the mont blanc they knew that they had a lot of munitions on board they probably didn't know how much because of course 
it was all like you know need to know basis that um, reminds me of the um there was the explosion at a i think it was a chinese factory not that long ago maybe last year or the year before yeah um and it was like a the place that exploded was basically like a warehouse that had way way more of these uh very dangerous chemicals on site than they should have and i don't even think the workers really understood what was there because the way they were told to sort of like organize everything and it was insane like there's videos of it because um Mm. there's quite a lot of like high-rise apartments close by that filmed it and it's so big that like where the people are filming from you're like oh they're gonna be fine and then all of a sudden chunks are flying at them and they like run away and you're like holy fucking shit oh my god it was massive i have to remember what it's called um so they tried to put out the fire but then they decided to abandon ship because they didn't know how long they had until it blew up fair so um what happened was word got around Halifax that a ship was on fire from in the harbour and so everybody came running down to the pier to see it oh no nothing else to fucking do um (laughs) so on the so there's like two sides of the harbour so the Halifax side which is you know Docklands Pier um and then the other side, which is uh, wasn't very developed. There was a few houses there, but there was mm-hmm. also a Native Canadian camp. Oh, um, okay. So they rode to the side of the Canadian camp um, and they were shouting at them to get back. But unfortunately, um, everybody on the Mont Blanc only spoke French. Mm. So... Um, what one of the crew members did was he grabbed a child from um, one of the mother's arms and ran with it into the woods and oh. a lot of the tribe um, ran after. Smart. Okay. Yeah. Not understanding okay. what was happening. Um, but knowing one uh, of their kids has been fucking taken. <laughs> yeah. Chase that dude. So That's a ballsy fucking move. Like, good on him. kept chasing them and chasing them and they made it over the hill before the explosion. This oh, act God. saved all of their lives. Oh. <gasps> That's so good. It's so horrifying, while, but so good. Yeah. yeah. So while the ship was on fire, um, more and more people came down to the harbour to see it. Um, not because they went flying the munitions colours. Nobody really knew what was on the ship, mm-hmm. um, except uh, there was maybe some officers and one just happened to be looking out the window at the time and recognised the Mont Blanc from an inspection oh, God. and realised... Oh. What, it, what the cargo had uh, what was in the cargo he ran through the shipyard to warn as many people as possible that the burning ship was a munition ship um, one of the people he managed to tell was the telegraph operator Vince Coleman mm-hmm. um, from the Halifax train station who knew that there was going to be a train coming in that was going to pass by Pier 6 where the Mont Blanc <gasps> had drifted oh my god he ran back to the terminal and sent out the following message. Munition ship on fire in harbour, making for Pier 6, going to explode. Goodbye, boys. Oh. Oh, my God. And he, Goodbye, boys. Goodbye, boys. Um, and he um, gave his life to make sure that the train wasn't coming in. Oh, bless him. Fuck, that's so sad. Goodbye, boys. I'm... I, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. It is amazing that some human. people are so selfless because, like... The person in my story who had the fucking key for the yeah. other fucking oh, 
um, Stairwell, who got out first and just left yeah. all those women to burn to death. Yeah, he legged it straight away. Yeah. yeah. I and often yet think this about wonderful man. Yeah. I have to think about the telegraph um, operator on the Titanic who was trying to raise help and he, you know, he stayed at the desk to, you know, try and get the help out. But, yeah. You know. You know. Guys. Yeah. Oh, it's miserable. All right. So, <laughs> the blast was cataclysmic. The shockwave leveled the city. Ships in the harbour were sent hurtling towards the, to- the shore, tossed around like bath toys. And oh. people remember seeing the bottom of the ocean. <gasps> the Holy SS Imo was washed ashore by the 15-metre tsunami that ensued. Oh, my God. Mm. And the Mont Blanc was vaporised into 3,121 <gasps> tonnes of steel that exploded into millions of fragments. Oh, God. Oh, my the God. The large shank of the anchor, which is that like the tall bit mm-hmm. um, was sent flying across the city and nearly four kilometers away where it remains to this day as a monument and oh yeah so i'm going to read you a little excerpt from um, a book called curse of the narrows by laura mcdonald the narrows is where the ships you know passed each other yeah mm-hmm. the blast crushed internal organs exploding lungs and eardrums of those standing closest to the ship most of whom died instantly it picked up the others only to thrash them against trees walls and lampposts with enough force to kill them roofs and ceilings collapsed on on top of their owners floors dropped into the basement trapping families underneath the timber um the fireball was invisible in the daylight that's how bright it was (gasps) oh my god Houses caught fire much like kindling. A lot of the um, a lot of the houses were wooden because of the big population boom, so they had to get houses up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the houses caught fire. Uh, glass shattered at their weakest point, sending a shower of arrow-shaped slithers that cut their way through curtains, wallpaper, and walls. The glass spared no one. Some people oh. were beheaded where they stood. Oh, others were oh. saved by a falling bed of bookshelves. Many others who watched the fire seconds before awoke only to find themselves unable to see. <gasps> so the glass and all the fragments just went everywhere. And a lot of... Um, that's what killed a lot of people. Um, oh the my glass, God. Um, it shattered glass in a hundred kilometer radius. Oh, my God. And the bang was heard in a 300-kilometer radius. So <gasps> if the if the explosion took place in central Melbourne, mm-hmm. like Flinders, the bang would have been heard in Wodonga. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. To give you the, the thing. That's, That's crazy. Terrifying. I'm just thinking about how I would hear it from yeah. my house, and I live quite far from the city. I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably oh be blind. God. Fucking so, hell. A um, hundred kilometres for the glass to be shattered. Like, y- there was no way anyone could run that le- like lived in the city or was in the city at that no. time. No. But guess where everybody in the city was? They were up against their windows looking out at the burning <gasps> ship. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, um... The tsunami um, drowned survivors near the shore and swept other people out to sea. Upturned cook stoves ignited fires and consumed homes. Um, so some people died of fires in their homes. Um, and one woman, Mary Jean Hinch, lost all her ten children 
and her husband in the explosion. She was eight months pregnant and was rescued after being trapped under her house for 24 hours. Oh my god! So, um, and she actually gave birth um, successfully. So, um, oh, thank but god. she and her unborn son were the only survivors of her family. That's so ten sad. children. Ten, ten. Holy shit! That's so, devastating. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it's it's so unbelievable. Um. Uh, so. That and um, people like the the blast ripped everybody's clothes off. Um. Mm. There were two deep sea divers working in the harbour. Oh, oh no. They oh, had God. That, the proper old, like, you know, weird steampunk, you know, diving out. Oh, like, <laughs> like, like full Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bioshock. <laughs> um, they survived, but um, basically they were in the water um, checking in, like, pipes and things to make sure that the, um, the harbour was going to be, like, deep enough for ships to come in and out. You know, regular mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Promptly found themselves on a nearby hill. <sighs> oh my god! Holy <laughs> shit! That could have ended so much worse. Yes. Yeah, so luckily, they were um, tossed out of the water before basically it boiled. Oh my um, god! At the impact site where the Mont Blanc was, um, the temperature re- roast, uh, reached five thousand degrees Celsius. That's almost. <gasps> um, that's almost the surface area of the sun, the temperature. Oh my god! Mm. Oh, I'm 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 dumb. I can't say. I have no words. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> You've struck <laughs> Tay dumb. <laughs> yeah, because I've I've I I know the story. I've forgotten so many little details. Maybe you just omitted them for a later time, which is now. <laughs> and I just I'm continue, please. <laughs> so uh, that night. A blizzard blanketed the city with more than oh 40 centimetres of snow. Fucking God. Um, it was estimated that 25,000 people were left homeless or without sufficient shelter. So that's half the population. I'm surprised that many survived that in the first place. Mm. Yes. So a lot of them didn't have clothes <laughs> and they were yeah. outside in Canada in winter. In a blizzard. In a blizzard. So a lot I can't of even comprehend that. I've never seen snow. It's just... It sounds like hell. It's fucked. (laughs) Um, So people found, like, people frozen in doorways and things like that. Oh, God. So in the hours that followed, remember that that message that the Vince Coleman managed to get out? Yes. That reached Boston. Yep. So Boston, um, nobody could get in contact with Halifax. They started sending (laughs) a fuckload of... Um, nurses and medical personnel. Oh, thank good to good. Halifax, but it was yep. going to take them eighteen hours to get there. Oh God! But Halifax had legions of disciplined military personnel and um, combat nurses who had, was very used to you know mass tragedies, mm-hmm. who got on with things. Oh, right, good. So injured shot, um, soldiers gave up their beds um, for the wounded. There was even um, one soldier, I forget his name, but he helped, um, he was discharged, a medical discharge from the war. He was in Halifax recuperating. He had two vertebrae um, shattered and a broken leg. He dug out his car and started taking um, wounded people to the hospital. (gasps) Over 
debris. Like, I can't imagine how fucking painful that would have been for him with the vertebrae on, like, uneven yeah. road. Yeah. Because speed bumps are still a fucking time for me, okay? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I can imagine, dude. So the hospital was completely full. It only had 258 beds but took in more than 3,000 wounded. Oh, my God. Um, the the 80 to 100 ships that were in the harbour... Um, you know, the ones that were still kind of usable, even if they were, yeah. like, blown onto the pier. Yeah, the used as hospital yeah, yeah. beds. Okay, used as hospital good. ships. Um, and sort of everybody got along with things. The um, army systematically started digging people out. Bless them. Good. And um, they helped set up, you know, a morgue and things like that. Um, and... Uh, food and everything started coming in from other communities. So the military was given full power and they were like, you keep doing what you're doing, guys. Yeah, pretty much. No one else has got any idea how to fucking deal with this. (laughs) No. So everybody from um, Canada, New England and Massachusetts sent um, building materials, labourers, doctors, nurses, food. Mm -hmm. And and also um, uh, raised money um, for Halifax. Um, eventually, uh, even it reached Australia, whose our national government gave two hundred and fifty thousand to Halifax. Oh, good on you, Australia. Mm. <laughs> um, so that was really good. Bless so um, surgeons operated nonstop, often without anaesthetic or maybe maybe a local. Oh, um, well. there was an eye doctor called George Cox who, when he heard of the shrapnel things. Um, arrived immediately to see if he could help. Yep. Um, quote, he worked 40 hours removing eyes. He had bucketfuls of eyes around him. He oh, there is. Everybody out and slept for three hours and then he did it again. Oh. Um, he removed uh, hundreds of ruined eyeballs um, from everybody from like babies to, you know, old men. Oh, God. Oh, um, I can just picture him with a melon baller. Like, yeah. I can't. Oh! Fuck. <sighs> um, the melon baller. <laughs> and it actually, blind, like, the, it, the, if so many people were blinded or left, you know, with one good eye, that this is where um, Canada's, um, like, got really into, like, vision-impaired things and having Braille on stuff and having loud mm-hmm. ticking noises for walking across the street that's where they um really came into their own with um like helping vision impaired people because they had so many in one town yeah good amazing um and then what are we doing here so there was uh a halifax relief fund that took care of people uh, affected by the blast, including psychological care, ongoing medical care, um, and provided um, like housekeepers and building materials and things like that. Mm-hmm. They also provided psychological care for the people who came in to help. Yeah. Which is more than they did for the people who helped with um, 9-11 or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Um, and the city of Boston, Massachusetts dispatched so many people and was such a big help that to this day, every Christmas Halifax donates a huge uh, 
Christmas treat that sits in their Boston Common every year as a thank you gesture. Oh, it's beautiful. That's really nice. Um, now, it was a big thing about whose fault is it um, with the ships. Mm, um, I bet. Uh, everybody but one sailor from the Mont Blanc survived. The other one sailor was um, killed by shrapnel. Oh, God. I'm surprised they all made it. Like, but yeah. at the same time, I guess if they went towards that one hill where there was no glass. Mm. Um, and then the SS Imo, like, you couldn't really arrest that captain because a lot of them were dead. <laughs> I was going to say, he's been vaporized. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we cannot be totally sure of the correct death toll. Um, at least 2,000. Wow. Minimum. That's Holy what they're shit. calling it. Okay. Uh, the injury toll was over 9,000. Yeah, fuck. Holy shit. Um, uh, many people, like, there was a lot of people orphaned. Actually, a third of the people dead were under the age of 15. Oh, God. Because all the kids would have run down to the pier to see what was happening. The ship. Yep. Mm. Yep. yep. Um, so the clock at the, at the Halifax Citadel is permanently stopped at 9.04 a.m., which is when the blast happened and it stopped the clock and mm-hmm. it remains like that to this day. Um, that, that was the Halifax explosion. That was wild. Fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that one. It's yeah, one that, you. like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you told me about it and I had never heard of it beforehand, which is so strange because there's some things that seem to get because we obviously all consume the content that we offer in a lot of mm-hmm. ways as well mm-hmm. so like you hear about some stories again and again and it's like something we sort of try to avoid touching on sometimes like there's so, yes. some very obvious ones that you're like I've heard about this a bunch of times though on other podcasts or in other like books or forums and stuff like that it's so strange that I don't know that one I wouldn't know that one unless you had told me yeah it's and weird. it's such a horrible disaster. Yeah. Like it's... Not only was it an explosion, but so many other things that triggered off from it. Like, that's... Yeah, uh, the fact oh that, like, God. it essentially created a city of the blind. Yeah. Like, well, there that's... was a There was a first-hand account of a eight-year-old girl having to hold her um, three-month-old brother while he had his eyes taken out. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's so fucked. Um, but yeah, uh, a triumph for the medical team and the army and all that mm-hmm. kind of good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it also led to, of course, um, you know, new laws and things with regards to harbour safety and things like that. <laughs> but, you know, it was pretty shit. Flags. They're there for a reason. Flags. Fly them. Use them. <laughs> Swim between them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Swim between them. Use them. <laughs> Excellent. Um, fucking my, hell, yeah. Brutal. Yeah, my sources. Thank um, you. History.com, uh, Washington Post, globalnews.ca, uh, canadianhistory.org. Um, and I actually use, uh, there's two books that my parents have, and I've forgotten their names. <laughs> um, this is just the surface. <laughs> of this whole thing really um and so many books and things have been written about it uh if you're interested i have not spoiled anything for you pretty much go forth 
There's so much deep in conquer. There's so much more to learn. Yes. Definitely. Fuck, that was really good. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's okay. Now I'm devastated. I'm so sad. I'm sad about both of your stories. Yeah. We had a lot of grim ones, didn't we? I guess that's the thing with disasters. They're a disaster for a reason. Yes, they are. At least next week, it's not going to be man-made disasters. Yeah, it's just Mother Nature being a bitch. (laughs) Nature being super metal. Yeah, it'll be great. Mm -hmm. It will be a time. Yeah, I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that one. I um, Mine's a mystery for you. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> mine's <Yeah>. just horrible. <laughs> yeah. Look, mine isn't I, great. I'm continuing my um, explosion phase. <gasps> yes. I know you are. I'm very excited for yours. Wonderful. Super, super keen. Yeah. Stay tuned at home, guys. Make sure to... Uh, Follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We're probably there. Yeah. Um, more info at weedsisterspodcast.com. Do chuck us a follow on our socials. We love to see you there. We love to see you commenting. Please comment more. We love it. We love the validation, as we say yes. always. Please leave us a review. Thank you. Yeah. We uh, like to post some photos and uh, just silly memes and things like that on both our Facebook and our Instagram. So if that's the kind of stuff you like, please follow us there. Talk to us there. We like it. We get bored. We're in ISO. We have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm done. I have nothing mm-hmm. else to say yeah. to you. And I would like you to leave my living room, please. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? Your oral presence. Done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Love you all. Love you all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>